Welcome to the Wayne Manager Podcast. I am your host, Greg Bryan, as always, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So over at Telegeography, we're shortly going to release an update of our Internet Middle Mile report uh, that profiles various vendors and attempts to explain in, in sort of feature terms how they go about solving the middle mile problem that is an increasing issue for enterprises that have taken advantage of the cost savings and best in breed provider selections of an internet-based or an internet hybrid kind of WAN. Uh, so to go through that in detail, I'm later gonna have on my colleague, Eric, uh, uh, to talk about our sort of research report. But in the meantime, I thought it would be great to revisit this topic um, from an episode that we did uh, a little bit less than a year ago with my guest today, Kieran Roche. Welcome, Kieran. Great. Great to be back here on the podcast. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about this topic again. Yeah, absolutely. So so you're the, the CTO at Coval for anyone who didn't catch that episode or hasn't otherwise uh, run into you. Um, and uh, I thought maybe you could just give us a little background um, for those who haven't maybe met you at a conference or, or heard this uh, podcast on, on yourself and what you do over at Coval. Absolutely. Yeah, those conferences seem like a distant memory right now, but hopefully we get you back know, to that. Yeah, it's, it's almost hard to remember the before times at this point, isn't I it? Know. <laughs> it sure is, yeah. But um, at Coevolve, so we, we started Coevolve back in 2014 specifically to help enterprises adopt what we were calling back then just next generation networking technology mm. services. And mm. that's really transitioned now to more specific offerings. So we take enterprises through transformation projects where they go from legacy MPLS or other legacy infrastructure to a future state that typically consists of more internet, more cloud native components for security and other areas like that. So a lot of that is now converged into SASE type offerings. And then most of all, we see enterprises now moving towards this multi-cloud world. And I think mm -hmm. the topic we're talking about today really does feed into that. So that's really the focus area that we have is providing the design, implementation, and management of those services. And from my perspective, it goes really all the way back to the, the earliest parts of my career. I've spent probably more than 20 years using internet-based technologies to help enterprise uh, environments transform. So to move mm -hmm. away from legacy, really legacy technologies right. like Frame Relay and so ATM, on back in the day, yeah. mm -hmm. and now moving away from some of the, the more recent private technologies to, again, more internet-centric products. So that's become obviously way more viable in that period as the destinations have changed and the user locations have changed. But that whole concept of using these types of alternative products has really been a common thread throughout what we do in Coevolve, but also previous to that in my career. Well, yeah, and, and seems like the, the the sort of life of Coevolve for the past eight years uh, hit at a sort of fortuitous time for for the big changes in the way that we're coming. Right, that's been a, a tumultuous amount of changes with the things you mentioned: cloud adoption, SD WAN, freeing up your transport options, and and all of that. So um, that that kind of brings me to I, I listened to our our previous podcast uh, when I was thinking about sort of doing this one, and and there we spent a lot of time talking about how all those changes. Um, had had led to sort of create this middle mile problem and, and sort of uh, define it. Um, so I, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, we can get now into having come, you know, 10 months or, or whatever it has been since since we talked last about that, um, uh, with you working 
with enterprises through that problem that that we define then. Um, if we could look at maybe some like use cases, some some real world uh, stories, even if anonymously, that uh, that can can help us sort of congeal how that um, got implemented on on the enterprise level. Sure, absolutely, and. We're pretty fortunate in our position to be exposed to a lot of these, not just in the theory and the PowerPoint slide versions of it, mm -hmm. but actual deployments. So we tend to work with clients that are more, um, they've got more of a propensity to look at these types of products and they turn to co-evolve then to help actually deliver some of these solutions and manage them for them. So we've seen some really interesting deployments from that. And I think mm -hmm. if I look at the the types of deployments and the types of use cases that we've seen, they fall into to a few different categories. Uh, so the the first is organizations that have a, a real global footprint. And this is probably common to most of our clients. We tend to work primarily with multinational clients, mm -hmm. but the, the, the latency challenge and the performance challenge of these long distance traffic flows just doesn't get any easier. And right, we work right. with a lot of clients and I'm thinking of a couple of large enterprise clients that we have specifically where they've got large concentrations of users, say in Australia, New Zealand, and they've got legacy ERP systems that sit in Europe or in the US. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. these applications, they either are sitting in an on-premises data center or they've been shifted directly into a cloud provider. They're not modern applications, though. They're, right. they're very sensitive to whether it's latency variations, to packet loss, and so on. And what these enterprises found is that in the testing they did, the internet, just sort of native internet, was fine for all the modern applications, web-based mm -hmm. traffic, and so on. But a lot of these legacy applications just didn't perform well in those, right. those conditions. And right. they could see a real benefit by moving to something that had a more predictable middle mile where... It will provide all the benefits that the, the traditional MPLS network would have provided in the past in terms of predictability of performance, mm -hmm. but in a more modern environment that was aligned to what they were trying to do elsewhere. So it could be mm -hmm. ramped up and down as they needed. They could turn up new paths as and when they were required over the network and so on. And we could feed into the, the underlying APIs and so on to get them all of this sort of health and other uh, detailed metrics around how the service is performing. So mm -hmm. that's one definite use case that we see really making a difference. And we've looked at a lot of the performance metrics, the sort of before and after scenario there, if you go from just native internet to something where you drop in a middle mile, even if you're accessing something that's back in your own data center, you can deliver a really great performance outcome there that can, can improve things a lot. So that's right. one scenario. The other scenario that we see very commonly, and we see it again with some of these same large global enterprises, is the the trend towards multi-cloud deployments. And mm -hmm. the the use in these cases of, of middle mile products as a way of just driving more efficiency. So you can have a middle mile layer that's almost like an abstraction layer for the, the multi-cloud components. So you've got the, the edge, you've got the SD-WAN layer that sits across the top of that. By deploying a middle mile product right over the top of that solution, it means that you don't have to build out separate connections into all of those different cloud provider networks. Right. You can use the middle mile provider as the extension into those cloud provider environments. So it means that it simplifies the routing, it simplifies troubleshooting when there's a mm -hmm. connectivity issue or a performance issue. And overall, it, it just acts as that uh, simplification layer on the topology that mm -hmm. I think a lot of enterprises are looking for. And that in turn can actually drive more multi-cloud adoption. We see clients right. that go down that path. They're less hesitant about deploying a new set of workloads in a different cloud provider or a different region because it's all accessed through that same common layer. Mm -hmm. And 
that's become um, a, almost a, a default type of architecture that we look at now for these types of large global deployments where it just doesn't make sense to keep the the middle mile component of that on a, a more traditional product on an MPLS backbone or so on. The internet, it's it's been proven now in so many different ways, is perfectly good enough at the edge. If you combine that with a really robust middle mile solution, then you end up with something that's sort of addressing the best of both worlds. You're mm -hmm. getting the great price performance benefit at the edge. And now you've got a way of backhauling that traffic to the destinations that isn't constrained from a bandwidth or price perspective like it would have been with a, a traditional MPLS network. So yeah, it's really across those those main uh, mm -hmm. areas that we see most of these deployments. But we're now starting to see enterprises across a lot of different industry verticals take interest in this because the economics are quite attractive in many cases and the performance improvements can be great as well. Right. Yeah, I, th I think there's there's a couple of really good points there to, to highlight. One is that, and and this this is certainly true for us um, as, as the telegeography perspective that that we tend to only really sort of uh, appeal to with our data, you know, multinationals, um, you know, that, that need to think about these things. If if all of your sites are say in the U.S. and Canada, it's pretty unlikely that you have a massive uh, you know middle mile problem in the first place. Could could happen depends on you know, yep. the geog the, the, the sub geography there but but certainly you know when you start talking about places like Australia New Zealand especially that that you know there's big physical distances and and the routing that you take to get over those distances makes makes a huge difference too you know I think of a of a particular case um, that we once had at a WAN summit where. Uh, they they realized that uh, their their call center in India was you know, traffic was coming from Europe down through the Suez Canal going over to Singapore and then back to Chennai right on on the eastern yeah. side of India right and so you know um, so you're creating is especially like for for these late latency sensitive kind of products that uh, that, that could create a, a serious problem um, the, the the other thing that I that I want to highlight and maybe um, get your take on it is in terms of the multi cloud I, I wonder if um, if you could sort of flesh that out more, is there, seems to me there might be two issues here. There's, there's connecting to multiple, multiple cloud providers. So, so different, you know, sort of uh, first mile connectivity issues, but then also, is there an issue with traffic between different cloud providers as well? Right. So, um, you know, yeah. get move, moving workloads or data, um, you know, from, from say AWS to Azure or, or for whatever reason one might do that is, is that something that, that arises in, in these kind of solutions as well? It, it definitely is. And it's it's increasingly starting to become part of the requirements as mm -hmm. these cloud deployments become more mature. So there's there's real business data residing in these different cloud providers that the, the various components of these solutions need to be able to access and they need to be able to communicate effectively with each other. And it's something that can be a bit of a minefield for the enterprise because there's all sorts of catches there when you look at egress costs and so on from the... Um, from the cloud provider networks that if you just leave the network to operate on its own and you know, use the native internet breakouts in the cloud provider environments and so on, the costs of doing that can really start to, to jump up quite significantly. Mm -hmm. So we see that as a big part of the, the traffic flow um, matrix, if you like, that we're, we're trying to address when we work with clients on these, on these challenges is understanding not just how you're getting from the users to the cloud, but also between those clouds that can often be one of the most critical traffic flows. And what's challenging is that it can often be one of the, the more high volume traffic flows as well. If you're replicating right. data between environments, there's, there's very little in terms of um, 
capacity limitations on those uh, on those port sizes that are in the cloud provider environment. So you have to be able to deal with an environment that can quickly ramp up into the sort of multiple gigabits a second uh, from a, a bandwidth perspective mm-hmm. and then ramp back down, but all, all the time keeping the costs under control as well. And that has, I think, represented a really interesting shift for enterprises, this whole move from a very predictable uh, MPLS port that costs right. X amount per month and it gives you a very static expectation in terms of cost and performance, you've now got this very dynamic world where there's so much usage-based billing out there. There's a lot of ability to ramp up and down very quickly. But if you're not really well informed about how that's been put together, then the costs can spiral out of control pretty quickly. So I think that's a, mm-hmm. an important characteristic of these inter-cloud connectivity flows that need to be taken into account as well as what's actually being done to keep a really close eye on the costs and architect it so that you don't have these these scenarios where that can run away from you. Yeah, that, you know, that's a great point, certainly, that the last thing that uh, that you want to report to the CFO or whoever is that uh, all of a sudden your, your network costs, which have been really predictable for you know the last 20 years, are, yep. are incredibly variable on a, on a month-to-month basis that, uh, that that's hard to predict. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they, want, they want the low months, but not necessarily the high months. They'll take right. the savings right. when they can get it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, not A lot of enterprises may not be good at sort of, you know, uh, uneven planning like that, right? Cer- certainly that's sure. going to have to be a, a conversation, at least in, in the beginning. Yeah, so so um, bringing that up, like that that one of the the key things here is the ability, both from a technical standpoint and a contract standpoint, to to have sort of bandwidth on demand to be able to respond to to different situations in a way that the inflexible sort of MPLS telco network uh, was unable to do. Uh, I want to see if if um, uh, in addition to that, we can drill into kind of exactly what middle mile solutions are. So. Uh, again, last time we, we did a lot of talking about what the middle mile problem is, right? Yeah. Um, w- w- which I think is is pretty clear at this point. But um, uh, I've heard from a lot of end users who who are experiencing maybe the middle mile problem or or anticipating it if they're still in that mostly MPLS environment. Uh, even those who who are in still mostly MPLS environment, of course, are already multi cloud. That has already happened for for most everyone, you know. Um, but th- that that issue is is one that I kind of share uh, with them, which is that it, c- it can sometimes be hard to cut through the marketing, the sales pitches uh, from the vendors to truly understand exactly what services they're selling. They they want to talk about the 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 solution oriented picture, um, but uh, not necessarily uh, drill down into like what am I actually selling you? What are we spinning up? Um, yeah, so in a, in a little bit, that's that's what we're doing at Telegeography with our Internet Mental Mile report. We're, we're profiling vendors based on, on feature sets, but that's sort of discrete feature sets. Uh, you're coming at this from the standpoint of an MSP, of running this with, with enterprise uh, customers. Um, I, I really liked in, in our last conversation, if you remember this, you, you, you mentioned that you are you act as, as the glue that puts the fractured pieces of the WAN back together. Uh, I, I'm just curious, your take of, of what, what does that actually look like in this market? What are you actually sort of buying from, from these providers? Right. Yeah, it's, I think there's a lot of fragmentation in this market. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of point solutions that maybe do some particular component of this really well. And I do see a lot of the work that we're doing really is gluing these different component pieces together. And in our view, it's not necessarily a bad thing that there is that level of fragmentation. It's obviously creating a role for managed service providers Mm -hmm. like us, but it's also 
the enterprises that go down that path are able to tap into a lot more functionality than they would in the more generic mm-hmm. one size fits all type offerings that existed in the market before, like the MPLS networks and so on. Right. So the way we see it is that there are several offerings now that are, are really um, drop-in replacements between colos for predictable bandwidth, sort mm-hmm. of delivered as a software-defined port where you get mm-hmm. physical connectivity into a data center environment at each of the locations where you want it. And then you kind of draw the, the path between it at the bandwidth that you want, or you you build those and turn those up and down with an API or, or similar. And you can have that sort of programmatic access to whatever combination of, of city pairs that you want across that network. And right. if you're an enterprise that operates in co-location facilities and you've maybe moved some workloads into the public cloud as well, you can extend those networks out into those cloud provider environments as well on those same platforms. So Mm -hmm. these sort of software defined um, uh, backbone options are, I think, quite attractive in that scenario if you've got a lot of deployments in those types of co-location facilities. Mm -hmm. But what we see is that in many cases, the enterprise has a slightly more complex challenge than that. So if I think back to some of the large deployments that we, we manage today, a really good example of that is a client that has you know, five, 600 locations around the world. They've got most of their modern applications moved into cloud providers, and it's mostly Azure, some AWS in the mix as well. But they've also got five or six on yeah, sort of co-located uh, data centers where they host legacy applications mm-hmm. that they can't get rid of today. Right. So we went down a path with, with that client in particular of the edge transformation. So we took them away from MPLS out of the edge into internet-based connectivity plus an SD-WAN overlay across the top. All of the sort of mesh of connectivity there is now handled uh, through the SD-WAN component. We then extended that connectivity back to their on-premises data centers and some of those cloud providers using a middle mile provider. And Mm -hmm. the, the complexity there goes all the way down to the routing, like how do you handle the routing and multiple paths now, multiple ways of getting back to those workloads how do you make sure you're sending the traffic across the most efficient uh, path? No, no single component of that solution has that end-to-end visibility. So we're providing that sort of overlay management mm-hmm. as the managed service provider to mm-hmm. glue the SD-WAN into the, ma- the middle mile provider and then making sure that those two are talking to each other successfully. So, but, so just to, to clarify yeah. that point for me, um, so you're saying there, at, as co-evolve as the MSP, you're kind of almost you have like an overlay service that is putting together uh, uh, various you know monitoring and that to to make sure that p- traffic is taking the the most efficient paths. Uh, especially, I think you, you mentioned there's there's some on-premise data centers left that that aren't going to be in a big colo or or hyperscaler that that's hyper connected across a bunch of different providers, right? So. That's that's exactly it, and that's exactly the the role that we have to play. And we're we're then peering, if you like, with the client's own environment because they've got large data center environments where they manage the routing inside the data center. So then that becomes another uh, integration point from a network perspective that we've got to make mm-hmm. sure those routes are propagated out over the network across the most appropriate paths, whether it's over just the SD one overlay or over the middle mile and steering the traffic down the right path is. Uh, it doesn't happen out of the box. So there's a lot right. of work there for the managed service provider to, to do that piece. Mm-hmm. But then what's happening is in those types of scenarios, the client has now moved from a fairly 
basic straightforward device at the edge to an SD-WAN edge that is now far more sophisticated in terms of being able to select paths and steer traffic accordingly to you know, match against policies and so on. So now we're starting to look at, well, how can we optimize this even further? And if they've moved a lot of their workloads into Azure, then it's very possible that Azure Virtual WAN is going to provide a more direct path for that traffic that's mm. specifically going to those workloads mm -hmm. compared to sending it over the, uh, the SD-1 overlay into the middle mile provider and then into the cloud provider from there. So right. now we're starting to look at how can we be even more selective at the edge? So never let the traffic even get onto the, the normal overlay and the middle mile option, but identify traffic that needs to go to these Azure workloads and then offer them this fast lane essentially straight into the Microsoft backbone and then across that path back to the, those specific workloads. And what really co complicates this is that the, the right answer there depends a lot by region. So mm -hmm. Microsoft, have, Microsoft have their density of, of pops and edge locations around the world. The middle model provider we're using in this case has their own set of facilities where we can hop onto those environments. And you've got to be really careful that you don't create a scenario where you're backhauling the traffic you know, 500 or 1,000 right. miles in the wrong direction and adding latency into the picture as well. So mm -hmm. I think part of our role as the managed service provider is to be the voice of reason in those conversations and not just use all the technology for the sake of it, but to find the right combinations and then have repeatable patterns then that we can follow so that if it's a site in these uh, three regions, we're always going to build it this way. And here's the hierarchy in terms of the paths that will follow and so on. And that gives you a chance of providing good levels of operational support then over the top of it. So mm -hmm. that's the type of, um, we talk about the glue that's joining all these pieces right. together. Very often we're dealing with lots of different options, even multiple middle mile providers to, right. to arrive at the right solution for the enterprise. So it can be quite yeah, a complex kind, environment. Kind of like, you know, the, the changes that have come in the network where it, it, it made a lot of sense, you know, eight, 10 years ago to, to have a single or a couple global MPLS providers. Um, and now it makes more sense to do best in breed, in, you know, internet service, that sort of thing. And um, we're going we're gonna to see that in the, in the overlay services as well. And, and I think I'm picking up from what you're saying, too, that you have to make sure that, that these middle mile solutions are harmonized with your edge solutions. If you're doing this like traffic segmentation, for example, um, uh, at the edge, I assume, right? So you're having to harmonize, um, you know, and, and perhaps uh, select your, your SD-WAN uh, based based on the idea that you're going to use certain middle mile providers or have certain middle mile challenges? Is, is that the case? Uh, that definitely is the case. And we operate with a lot of clients that are in like uh, manufacturing and industrial type environments where they're also now having to segment their own traffic even further. Like they've got mm -hmm. their operational technology environment, which is separate from the IT environment. And they want to use the same one overlay the same middle mile so we're even separating down to that sort of in, right. inside the business itself down to the different types of traffic so that we can maintain the levels of compliance and so on that they need so mm -hmm. it's it's really changing the role of the msp where in the past you would have a flat network you would have an ip address on each of the nodes you'd monitor it for up down status and you would react accordingly if you right. saw something go down we're now seeing scenarios where we're far more integrated into the the inner workings of the client because they expect us to be able to identify how to separate the traffic, how to send it across the right path, how to identify if there's better options that become available and uh, develop a plan to integrate those into the mix as well. So it's really 
changing the the expectations that these uh, enterprise clients have of the managed service provider because they they now want the MSP to be on top of the the market developments as well to know what to change over time to to keep their network up to date and to take advantage of these benefits that are coming along. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, and and one that that um, was kind of kind of related to to what was happening in in the SD WAN world uh, a few years ago. You had a lot of startups, right? You know, e- even ones that might have been almost designed to, to get acquired by even a particular company. I'm, I'm thinking of one one uh, group of of engineers who left a large uh, equipment manufacturer to to start up an SD WAN service that then got bought ba- back, right? You know. Yep. Um, I, I wonder if you have to kind of pay attention to that, that, that there are a lot of these services for, for the middle mile that are, you know, sort of purpose-built companies, startups. Do you, do you see them kind of getting subsumed maybe even into, say, the hyperscalers or even, even carriers? Uh, because a carrier, uh, from their perspective, you know, they, they know folks are leaving uh, MPLS eventually uh, to a large extent, and they're going to have to manage a bunch of internet that they may be source for you, right? Uh, but uh, but it seems either way that, that there might uh, be changes in the marketplace, like you, like you suggested, to keep an eye out over the next few years, right? Yeah, that that's something we keep a really close eye on, and it's something that is is probably one of the things that makes large enterprises somewhat uh, reticent about right. going all in on some of these technologies because. They don't necessarily want to be completely locked into a particular technology product. And then mm-hmm. that small startup gets acquired and they, they change their strategy completely. But right. I think you're absolutely right. There is going to be a lot of um, further um, M&A type activity in this industry as it matures. And I think a big part of that is if you look at the, the economic model of a lot of these middle mile providers that are really just reselling somebody else's bandwidth capacity, that starts to become the biggest component of the of mm-hmm. the cost of those solutions. And right. there's always going to be incumbent bandwidth providers that own, you know, subsea cables or own shares right. in, in these long haul paths that can deliver much better economics for that component of it. So I think that's going mm-hmm. to be a driver over time is that we'll see a level of change happen there as as more uh, as these vendors reach a greater level of scale that starts to attract the attention of some of the incumbents. And yeah, I think, as you said, you could see some of those change hands quite quickly. So we, mm-hmm. we keep a really close eye on that because we want to make sure we're not sort of sending clients down the wrong path or right. down a path that could lead to a dead end if, if the vendor was acquired. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that, that you say that um, at, at telegeography, of course, we, approach the enterprise kind of market data via what we started out in, which is, is sort of the wholesale telecom business, uh, you know, uh, telcos owning capacity on submarine cables and, and between data centers and all that. And, and I always think of this as, as a, a, that layer of a break bulk or abstraction, right? That, you know, of course, your middle mile providers very often just have to buy wavelengths from those backbone providers, right, who, um, you know, cer- certainly have some kind of uh, markup um, and and they, they're adding on that SDN technology or bandwidth on demand capabilities, the different kind of contracts or whatever. But at bottom, they have to provision wavelengths all around the world in order to make these services happen, right? So so it still gets down to those kind of fundamental um, uh, you know, wholesale transactions, which themselves, of course, still operate on a always on multi-year contract kind of basis, right? So, so, so there is, you know, that sort of broader telecom market 
um, to consider when, when you're thinking about these services, you know. That's very true. And I think that is very effectively masked from the enterprises that are mm-hmm. out there looking at these types of products that... Yeah, As it should be, probably, right? That's the point, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Um, that that if, they, if they wanted to worry about that themselves, they could just kind of hire a team of ex-telco people and be a little mini telco, which... We, some enterprises actually kind of do, right? But yeah, you know, so. we, we see that definitely. Yeah. But it's but yeah. what's interesting is that I I think it's a symptom of the just the large amounts of excess capacity that are now on so many of these networks. I think right. that's that's enabling some of these middle mile business models because mm-hmm. it's allowing these providers to offer really competitive rates. You know, if you want to bring up like a a one gig path between London and New York across one of these uh, software based middle mile providers. You can do that for you know, a fraction of right. what you would have paid for uh, a traditional MPLS connection, and you can turn it back off whenever you don't need it anymore. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's allowing them to tap into that excess capacity that's out there, and you can see it reflected in their rate structure. On, on paths where there's a, an abundance of capacity, the rate structure is extremely competitive, right. almost uh, a negligible amount of, of cost involved. Mm-hmm. But then on the thinner parts of the network where there's less capacity, you can really see that be being reflected accordingly. So it's um, you can get a bit of an insight into where that capacity really lies as you start looking at the the um, the cost tables and matrices from these providers to to see what what they really are offering enterprises as a middle mile. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's one of the the core things that that we uh, look into is you know the cost of a ten G or hundred G wave differs a lot by geography, right? Doing a little yep. economic geography, and there's and there's physical reasons for that. There's market reasons for that. It's um, uh, it's all, it's, it's, you know, fairly straightforward, even if there's a lot of, you know, sort of factors. And, um, as an, as an enterprise, you don't necessarily want to make it your business to, to understand that entire global market, right. And, and be able to kind of play that, uh, just like a telco would. Um, so it makes a lot of sense to, to have this, you know, sort of a layer of abstraction above that, where you can, you can just, as you say, spin up a giggy when you need it and not be focused on, you know, what uh, transatlantic prices are doing versus Trans-Pacific yeah. and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, to, to kind of round things out here, I thought we would sort of visit um, where you think we are in this kind of adoption cycle. Uh, there, there, I should say there's, there's maybe nested adoption cycles here, right? There's, there's the digital transformation, you know, the enterprises have to be somewhere along the line of uh, utilizing a lot of cloud services, moving data centers off their premises, all that sort of thing, which most have done at this point, but there's always, you know, stragglers. Then there's the the edge technologies, right? You have to be somewhere along the line of, of having adopted SD-WAN, probably even thought about changing your security postures if you've moved uh, to, to local uh, breakouts. And then there's there's the one that I wanted to talk about is the sort of adoption cycle of of where we are with um, solving these middle mile problems. Um, yeah, so you know, given that that most enterprises are already somewhere along the line with 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 uh, those uh, changes, where do you see uh, them as now focusing their attention towards uh, these kinds of services? Yeah, I I think as you said, they are nested because the the ability to adopt these middle mile options really does depend on what you've done to lead up to that. So mm-hmm. are, are your destinations already in hosted data centers or in cloud providers? Are the users connecting from locations that have a, a, an SD-WAN or some other intelligent device out at the edge? If you haven't done those steps, then it becomes very difficult to tap into the real benefits that you can get from a, from a middle mile provider. So 
definitely we do see it operating in those phases. And as you said, the the adoption of SD WAN is it, you know, we've looked at a lot of the data around this, and I've seen a lot of the the telegeography research on this as well. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to dominate most of these right. enterprise refresh cycles now. So that's uh, changed pretty rapidly. But it, it now means that in most cases, the enterprise at least either already has or they've got a a pathway towards having that type of intelligent device at the edge to enable mm-hmm. some of these options. Um, and I think the the adoption of the middle mile products is still very early. And mm-hmm. what we see there is, in many cases, it's down to the enterprise either not realizing that there are viable options out there, so they haven't mm-hmm. fully been exposed to all of the options and maybe have heard the phrase, but don't know if it applies to them or to their that's, scenario. That's what we're doing here today, right? Yeah, so, that's what we're doing. Yeah, helping <laughs> exactly. that along, yeah. Yeah, and and I think the, the the really interesting thing, and I've seen this happen with probably half a dozen different enterprises I've spoken to, where we we sit we would sit down and go through the economics of moving from the legacy MPLS network to something that uses one of these alternative middle mile options, and they're you know they're cutting 90 percent of the cost out of some of the the backbone you know long haul paths in many cases, and have the ability to to ramp it up and down when they need it. So the the financial benefits can be quite significant, but it requires a bit of a change in mindset to, to go down that path right. of fragmenting the environment to have internet at the edge, kind of a breakpoint into a middle mile, and then back into the cloud providers at the other destinations there. So very often in the early stage conversations we're having with the enterprises, it's more around de- developing that level of trust that fragmenting it in that way actually can deliver a bunch of these additional benefits compared to having mm-hmm. the sort of one you know single package solution with the with the more traditional architecture. Right. So I think we'll see the adoption increase as as both more mainstream vendors start to get on board with the messaging around this and have mm-hmm. you know more mm-hmm. mature offerings that are out there. But then also as the as the industry starts to see more of these proof points around the commercials and the performance benefits that can come from it as well. So there's there's still quite a long way to go there. Um, and I think the 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 relative newness and startup phase of some of these vendors, I think, is also a factor that it mm-hmm. might take a bit more consolidation in the industry before some of the more conservative enterprises right. feel comfortable in going down that path and and using some of these uh, these provider options. And I think the final thing that we see in this space is that there's still a bias on the enterprise community towards buying networks from telcos and mm-hmm. the um, the whole concept of these middle mile options and the the benefits they offer and the flexibility they offer and the short contract terms and all of those other things are, I think they represent a threat to many of those traditional telco business models. And I think sure. that in itself is has been a limiting factor for enterprises adopting it because mm-hmm. they're speaking to a telco who is you know focused on the telco don't, environment. Don't worry about that. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, you don't exactly. need to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole different yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think that's a factor. So as, as more enterprises realize they can go down the, the SD-WAN path and you know, move away from the traditional telco approach there, that maybe opens up their mind to looking at these types of options as well. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting time in the industry because we've seen just such an incredible outcome for the enterprises that we have gone down this path with that it gives us something exciting to get out there and talk about to say, look, you know, here's all the benefits we can deliver. Here's all the extra bandwidth we got. Here's the better performance we got back to these applications and we were able to reduce cost at the same time. I think it's right. 
it's addressing you know a lot of uh, really compelling um, uh, requirements there that enterprises have for adopting these technologies. So yeah, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot more to come, but we're still very much at those early stages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and like you say, it really uh, the adoption of these services comes down to your willingness to take some of these other steps that that have you know a, a set of different factors perhaps in play, but that. You know, from from where I sit and 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 listening to you, it, it sounds like the 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 benefits of this ac across that whole sort of nested suite of transformations are are pretty overwhelming for a lot of enterprises. So I you know really do expect these changes even to reach maybe some of of the the more conservative enterprises at some point. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly the global ones, as you said, less of a clear cut benefit for the domestic or regionalized mm -hmm. right. uh, enterprises. But if you're global, then you're probably dealing with a lot of those same challenges that we've seen being solved really effectively by this combination of, of technologies. Yeah. yeah. And it's also been just, you know, an interesting time in the world, of course, uh, that um, I think the, the changes that we've undergone over the past two years really did spur some additional SD-WAN adoption, you know, sort of running a, a hybrid, you know, office uh, with with a lot of remote workers and all those kinds of things have be, have uh, SD WAN certainly facilitates that, and so we've seen an increased interest in that, which is going to have a knock on effect eventually into some of these services, especially uh, as they congeal. But you know, and and maybe I'm just thinking of it this way because this is you know my world. My my colleagues and I founded the WAN Summit in in 2013, right? That there's been a lack of the ability to get together and introduce these new technologies uh, to some of the enterprises that would be thinking about this, right? SD-WAN was already well and truly out there by the time yeah. the whole world shut down in March of 2020. And so that was already on everyone's radar. Uh, these things uh, in the abstract kind of virtual world maybe haven't trickled down to as many folks as they would once we get back to having a you know large scale events or small scale events like the WAN Summit that are, are hyper focused on this kind of thing, um, where where they can just be introduced to it, you know, watch somebody doing a demo or even a proof of concept yep. or something, and and kind of start to to grok it that way, you know. That's I made exactly that comment to a colleague the other day that yeah. I think we'll see a big spike in just the interest in some of these these newer concepts because. There's more of an opportunity to get out there and, and talk about it. So yeah, I think we will we'll start to see some more of that. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on uh, enterprises to to continue down that path that maybe they started with SD One in the you know the early stages of of the COVID pandemic and so on. They were able to cut cost out of their network, rearchitect things that were more suitable for um, for that remote or hybrid user base. I think there's going to be some expectation that that trend continues. Well, what else can we look at? Are there other legacy components of the network that could be replaced with something modern? And I think this mm -hmm. could be one option in the mix there to uh, to help address some of those challenges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, when, when there's a lot of uh, changes going on, it's good to know what tools you have in the toolkit. They, they're not necessarily for everyone's situation, um, but you have to you have to first get a, fit, a feel for you know, what, what's out there, what can I do and what does it actually mean? So I hope we've advanced that conversation a little bit today. I think so. Thank you very much. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Greg. This is a, it's a fun topic to talk about and uh, you hopefully your, your listeners found it useful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I have to say it's it's the, the Monday after daylight saving time uh, came online and, and it's the morning. So we both, uh, I had I had an extra cup of coffee, but we still, I think we made it through pretty well considering. Right? So, I think so, exactly. Yeah. 
Excellent. Thanks. Well, uh, just the, the, the last thing you're on, um, uh, how can folks find you if they want to get in touch? Absolutely. So uh, we're at coevolve.com as our website, and they can reach me directly, probably best on Twitter at croch, C-R-O-C-H-E. Thank you very much. Excellent. All right. Thanks. And, and I hope that we'll talk again, maybe even in person at uh, the WAN Summit New York this June. We'll see. Looking forward yeah. to it. Thanks, Greg. Excellent. All right. Thank Cheers. Thanks for listening. The WAN Manager podcast comes from the team at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. I also wrote the theme song that you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com. Or if you want to get right into more WAN content like you hear on the show, you can visit Telegeography's WAN Forum at WANforum.com. We've got all of our podcast episodes over there, WAN Manager survey data, and extra analysis pieces. That's all for now. So until next time, WAN enthusiasts.